On Table Talk, we have various guests come on and we shoot the breeze, have a conversation on various Bible subjects. And in addition to me, we also have Vusi on controls. Uh, morning, brother. If you are listening in this morning, a quick survey. Is the local church that you're meeting with this Sunday back in action? Are the seats going to be filled? Are people coming back? And will you and your family being be attending? I'd be really interested to to hear about that. Uh, you can either contact us via WhatsApp or you can contact us on Facebook. Uh, I'll be reading some of those out later in the show. We're going to start off this morning by speaking about the state of our nation uh, together with Michael Swain We're going to be looking at some pressing national issues um, And hearing what he has to say Michael is the executive director of 4SA uh, He studied law abroad And has been successful in business And is a co-founder of the His People and Every Nation Church Movement in South Africa And together with his wife Lynn uh, He lives in Cape Town Michael, are you on with us, brother? I am indeed. And uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. How's the weather in Cape Town today? Glorious. What I'm can I always say? so jealous <laughs> when I speak to people from Cape Town. <laughs> and you have the mountain. It's just unfair. <laughs> Brother. You, 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 must, you must remember, you, you have to go via Cape Town on the way to heaven to get a taste of what it's like. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it. Bre- Brother, t- tell us a little bit about uh, 4SA. This is the first time uh, that you've spoken on Table Talk. Uh, yeah, just, just tell us a little bit about the organization that you represent. So 4SA stands for Freedom of Religion South Africa, and we are a legal advocacy group. We're not a church group. We're not even a Christian group, although we are uh, all Christians. Uh, And we essentially exist to defend and promote and protect our constitutional rights to freedom of religion in this country. And it is so critical. You know, we live in a country which is a constitutional democracy. And that means that whatever affects one faith affects all faiths. So therefore, we have to protect and promote all faiths. Uh, But obviously, any encroachment or erosion of faith for any sector of the faith community is going to impact on the Christian community particularly. And so therefore, essentially, uh, the, the heart that we have is so that we can be quite sure as best as we can and for as long as we can that we as believers are freely able to live out, to speak, to teach, to express and experience our faith uh, and not only that but obviously to preserve it for future generations so th- that's what 4SA does we are a legal advocacy group that means that we are faith neutral uh, we're politically neutral we're doctrinally neutral you can believe whatever you want to believe as long as it's lawful but to that end uh, we believe that faith is an absolutely critical vital and fundamental human right it includes Everything from conscience, belief, thought, opinion, expression, association, assembly, all those rights that we pretty much take for granted are actually not to be taken for granted uh, because we are seeing globally an erosion of these fundamentally and critically important human rights. And of course, unfortunately, in that country or this country, we are beginning to see the same thing. And so we are often, therefore, you know, before parliament, before commissions, uh, sometimes going to court as is the case recently, uh, so that we can make sure that as far as we can, we protect and promote our freedom of religion rights. 
Well, well, maybe just talk a little bit about that. Uh, going to court, uh, I, I, I read one or two uh, news briefs and press releases uh, about Foyse going to court and contesting the banning of faith-based gatherings uh, even this past week. Uh, maybe you just want to flesh that out a bit. Well, this is really a case in point. The government obviously has significant powers uh, under a state of national disaster. Uh, and Section 36 actually allows government to restrict any constitutional rights. Bearing in mind, this is not a state of emergency when it can suspend them. This is a state of national disaster. But obviously, when it does so, it must do so with certain principles. It must be fair. It must be reasonable. It must be equitable. It must be proportionate. It mustn't be in excess of what is required to actually fulfill the purpose for which the rights are being restricted. And and we've seen, obviously, because of the health crisis and the pandemic, it has been important for government to give the guidelines, to set the regulations, to establish the frameworks. We know, and I see in your studio, you are wearing masks and your sanitization uh, protocols are in place and social distancing. And these things are all very important. But what we've seen, unfortunately, and this is why we had to go to court recently, is that government does not always treat the religious community equitably and fairly uh, compared to other sectors of society. And so the case in point here was, as you know, just uh, as we came into the new year, lockdown level three, the adjusted or the amended regulations were passed. And those regulations, obviously, they were saying that they were balancing lives and livelihoods. And they allowed certain gatherings to continue. So, for example, you can go to a casino, you can go to a health club, you can go to a restaurant. Uh, Obviously, there are limitations on that. But what they did inexplicably was they placed an absolute ban, a prohibition on any religious gathering or any faith-based gathering. And, you know, when government does make these restrictions, they must be reasonable, they must be rational. And we could not for the life of us, see the difference between, for example, sitting next to somebody in a casino playing a slot machine, and that would be perfectly lawful. Uh, the three of us could sit side by side at slot machines, and we could pull the levers, and you know. But then, if at some point we we're Baptist, we have to brother, repent. I don't think we hang out at the same places. <laughs> well, I know, I know, but I'm saying, I'm saying, so, so, I'm so just at some kidding point, with you. you know, we might suddenly come to that realization and decide we have to repent, and uh, <laughs> we now have to all, all all pray together and ask for forgiveness, or or maybe just ask, please God, let me win. Uh, <laughs> I'll be giving you, you a phone call but, after this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 the crazy thing is, and I, I say this to make the point, the crazy thing is, is that it would be lawful for us to play the slot machines, but not for us to pray together. Hmm. And that was the absurdity of, of we, we saw the regulations as they were imposed and the unfairness of them. And also, it's important to note that under the previous lockdown level three, there was no such restriction. So given that government must produce fact-led, science-based reasons for its restrictions how come suddenly faith-based gatherings were so dangerous and Mm. more dangerous as as spreaders of the infection than they were say under the previous lockdown level three or more dangerous than sitting side by side in a in a casino is more by is more dangerous than sitting side by side in a pew we didn't see that and so therefore we contended that that was in fact unfair discrimination it was essentially a a, a severe prejudice against the faith-based community 
which we went to court, having written and made submissions and uh, tried to engage government, we went to court so that we asked them to make a review to decide, is that action by government reasonable and logical and justifiable? And and that's why we went to court. So, so I mean, how does, I'm, I'm not a court guy, I don't spend a lot of time um, hanging around in courts. How, how does it work? What was the, what was the outcome? Uh, you went on Tuesday this week. Uh, what was the outcome and, and, and how do you pursue, I mean, what happens from year on forward? Well, of course, interestingly, and I think very significantly, literally on the proverbial steps of the court, uh, the president on the Monday night changed the regulations and permitted, again, faith-based gatherings. So he removed those restrictions. So, you know, we, we believe that not just us, but others, um, other organizations, he, he really felt the pressure. There were actually four similar, uh, or three similar cases plus ours, which made four. And other denominations, the SACC, I think the Afrikaans of Protestant, the AFM had also written uh, to, to protest this. But that took away the urgency of it. And therefore, the, if you like, the relief that we were asking the court for was effectively granted the night before. But what we agreed and the judge also um, agreed was that this is something that's going to come around again and again. If we obviously are aware that this pandemic has not gone away. And even with vaccinations coming in and what have you, it's quite possible there'll be a third wave, maybe a fourth, maybe there'll be, you know, COVID-21. And therefore, if we're not uh, able to set precedents, which will give, if you like, the guidelines and the parameters under which government can reasonably and lawfully restrict religious gatherings in the future, then we're just going to be coming around this bush again and again and again. So mm. we are continuing the action. And at the moment, the situation is, is that government has until the 15th of February to produce whatever additional evidence or um, affidavits that it wants to. And then we will re respond to that. Uh, and we believe that the deputy judge president is going to be looking for a court date sometime uh, after May 17th. So we believe that we must then push this through because otherwise, as I said, these decisions have been arbitrary. Um, we've also been concerned that even from the beginning, you know, under the original lockdown uh, framework that was promulgated and published back in, I think it was April last year, religious organizations, religious workers were not even mentioned. And again, if we had not contested that and protested that, arguably no faith-based gatherings would have been able to take place until we literally come out from under lockdown level one. In other words, things are completely back to normal. And so we've seen that, unfortunately, it appears that government has been a little bit late and last when it's considered uh, the impact of its regulations and the regulations it has in fact imposed on the faith community. And we are just simply looking for equity. We're not looking for special treatment. We, we probably could ask for a bit of special treatment because, you know, Section 15 specifically protects re religious freedom rights, uh, whereas it doesn't give similar protection to the economy in general. But we're just saying equal treatment, treat the faith community equitably, let the restrictions that are placed be science-based, evidence-led, and then I think we will all be very happy. But we believe we now need to have these precedents set um, through uh, the, the legal system. Wow. So, I mean, Michael, as I'm, I'm listening to you, obviously I'm stirred. Obviously, you know, from a church I get so excited when I think that we're going to be back on <laughs> on Sunday. Uh, recognize that that there are people who are advocating for the good of of our communities. 
if people are interested in what you have to say, if they if they want to follow up with you or want more information uh, regarding 4SA and the work that you're doing, how do they get in contact with you? Well, they can certainly visit our website, www.forsa.org.za. We're on Facebook, Freedom of Religion SA. Um, but that would be wonderful. I mean, you can sign up for our newsletters. You can uh, donate to us. That would be a great help. We're a voluntary organization. The only funding that we have to enable us to do what we do is because people give that uh, finance to us because they also understand the importance of religious freedom rights. So that would be uh, a great help to us and I think a great help to uh, your listeners because let's not uh, die of ignorance, so to speak. You know, we need to be informed. Uh, the sons of Issachar were commended because they understood the times. And this is a very, very critical aspect and a component, I believe, of understanding the times that we live in. Well, you know, Michael, as we as we consider the state of the nation, I, I recognize that, that we're not just a, a one-issue country right now, that there is that there's a lot going on. Um, that lockdown and lockdown regulations is one matter that you guys have been applying your mind to, but there's many other things. I've, I've been following uh, some of your work uh, regarding uh, education and, and, and many other topics, and so it will be good to have you on again soon, brother. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. It's been a great pleasure. <laughs> God bless. Cheers. Bye-bye. Well, even as we hear um, from Michael and from 4SA, uh, our hearts are, are stirred. Uh, the reality is we love our country. Um, we love our nation. We want to see the gospel going out. We want to see the gospel going out in an environment which is peaceful and conducive uh, to us as the church, being able to proclaim even from rooftops that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so uh, even as we hear what people are doing in order to defend the freedoms that we have in our country, I've no doubt that uh, we as the church are stirred uh, to pray uh, a few weeks ago Teppel I haven't even introduced you yet I, I, I'm here in studio this this morning with uh, Teppel Pitzel uh, he is uh, my assistant at Crystal Park Baptist Church in Benoni um, my friend and co-worker co-laborer uh, in, in Christ uh, we're going to be talking a little bit later on a number of uh, of topics uh, regarding information technology and social media and because Teppo is like 10 years younger than me and then some uh, he understands how all of this stuff works and um, so we're going to be talking about that a little bit later in the show um, but but a couple of weeks ago Teppo we had um, a, a group of doctors uh, doctor yeah. friends doctor pastor friends yeah. um, on the show uh, we were talking about coronavirus and Christ and this morning uh, we are going to be speaking again with Andrew Butterworth uh, Andrew Butterworth is the lead pastor of God First Church East Rand. Um, he trained as a doctor at the University of St. Andrews and then the University of Manchester with an additional degree in public. I don't uh, He must be like 97. He's done so much studying. Um, but Dr. Butterworth has worked in various hospitals around the United Kingdom's greater Manchester area before transitioning to public health and church ministry in South Africa, where he now lives with his wife, Michelle. Um, and pastors, uh, a church just down the road from where yeah. we are. So this is like a, a Benoni heavy uh, morning uh, on Radio Pulpit. Uh, Andrew, uh, are you on, brother? 
Yeah, I'm here. Nice to see you, Mark. <laughs> well. well, I'm not seeing you at the moment, but it's good to hear your voice, and, and I'm doing really well, uh, my friend. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, you know, you and I obviously talk a lot, and uh, we were talking this week, and um, uh, it, it seemed a good idea to the both of us that you come on and just give an update on the COVID situation in South Africa. Uh, do you want to talk to that topic? Sure. So it's been an um, interesting week. Because uh, if you remember on Monday, the, we had the first of the one million vaccines delivered. Mm. They arrived at OR Tambo and everyone got very excited. But then we were told we've got to wait two weeks while they check for breakages and quality control. So but it's exciting to have the vaccines arrive. That's that nice. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, obviously, <laughs> we were we were wondering if we were going to get any. Then we heard that we were getting some, and then there were the delays and this, that, and the next thing. It uh, was wonderful to uh, see pictures of the plane touching down and the president going and shaking hands with folk and and whatnot. Yeah, uh, like really exciting stuff. So, 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 what then is going on with the vaccines? How how, how, does, how does this work? I mean, what does rollout look like in in our country? Yeah, I wish I knew. <laughs> the, so the, the the president has promised forty million doses. Uh, he's, they say they've secured that now, but we don't know um, when they're going to arrive or the rollout. Mm. The 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 million is just a little drop in the ocean, really, if you compare it mm. to the population of South Africa. But it's it'll be good just to get the logistics going. They say they're going to roll it out across the provinces, but. Um, the, the 40 million is a great promise because that will give us 70% coverage which is enough for proper herd immunity mm. we just don't know when those 40 million will get to our shores um, the other tricky thing about the 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 40 million is that um, the first million are the AstraZeneca which are um, which is the DNA virus it doesn't need to be stored so well but the the, the rest of the doses are going to be this this Pfizer vaccine which is an RNA vaccine has to be stored at minus 70 degrees. So mm. imagine in, in South Africa, that's quite a challenge. Yeah. Um, it's a challenge in Europe already, but with, with our climate, minus 70 degrees is quite a, a, a thing to keep the vaccine stored at. Hey, so I, I mean, like minus 70 degrees, that's like more than a normal deep freeze, right? <laughs> I mean, are, are we yeah, talking I mean, like, it's, it's like specific a... medical storage facilities that it's going to need to be in? I think so. Yeah, I mean, we're not. No one's really been geared up for this sort of mm. logistics before, because vaccines would normally stored in a fridge when they. Um, but minus seventy is is it's like you're going to Russia, aren't you? Like in the Ural Mountains or something. <laughs> <laughs> not quite. Just, not quite the Karoo. So, so uh, also, <laughs> yeah. are, are both these vaccines like double dose vaccines? So you take it once, and then a month later, you need to take it again. Yeah, that also adds to the logistics. Um, yeah, so to get proper um, coverage, you need to have both vaccines, both doses. Yeah. So, so does that mean that when we received or took into our hands a million doses, we actually only took in five hundred thousand safe people? <laughs> that, that's a good point. Uh, I don't know when they quote their stats if they're referring to the number of people or the number of actual vaccine, but mm-hmm. yeah. Um, if it's if it's actual vaccines, that's only half a million people are going to get it. Mm. The the encouraging thing though is that 108 million people around the world have had the vaccine now yeah. in 67 countries. Okay. So um, the you know the rollout's going well worldwide. It's just Africa's a bit slow. There's only like a few countries in Africa that's had any vaccines at all. So sure. 
Um, I'm just excited to get things going because it, it really makes a difference. I don't know if you've seen in America and the UK, their curve has really dropped since they've started the vaccination program. The UK has had 10% of the population now vaccinated and it's really starting to affect um, their outlook and they're their buoyant about their economy again. And so I'm just really keen that South Africa gets the same sort of boost, you know. You know, it's been like so super scary. Uh, like a really good family friend of ours uh, lives two, three houses down the road from us, uh, Alan. And uh, uh, Al is retired, um, has family in the UK, and would love to go and visit them. And, and literally has been hampered just because of everything that is going on. You know, the the, the, the state of the health system in the UK is 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 has been such an issue for him that uh, he's, you know, it's been difficult to get on a plane and get across and see family and stuff. So the idea that the vaccines are actually making a difference and that numbers are starting to drop and that the population is getting a bit healthier, uh, that certainly that certainly does, does, uh, does increase my, my, my joy factor. Um, with churches opening on Sunday, <laughs> yeah, um, I know that's it's great, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. brother, just as you've been as you've been interacting with people, um, and as you've been interacting with folk, even from your from your own local church, um, how have people been responding uh, to the last uh, you know over the last six months? And, and I'm I'm talking now, you know, just talking a little bit about about the fear, the fear of the future, the the fear of of just you know everything that's happening around us um how's that translating into in into into christians lives we 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 are christians finding their strength what strength are you offering the people at god first east rand um yeah how, how does that conversation kind of roll out look it's an interesting one because you just need to look at social media to see that mm. um the conspiracy theories are everywhere and when there's conspiracy theories it means that fear is deeply uh, rooted in people and because you're only really attracted to conspiracy theories if you you've got a, a fear about the future and want an alternative presentation mm. that gives you comfort mm. and so I think addressing fear is a very important part that the Christian mm. church needs to do um, also it's it's a lack it's isolation and lack of community if you're not around people who are challenging your ideas all the time mm. um, you know all of us have weird ideas every so often but um, the, you know, the advantage of community is people say, oh, let's, hey, that's not, that doesn't sound quite right. But mm-hmm. we've been isolated. So the the, the problem with with, uh, with that is that um, it's very difficult to encourage one another. It says in the Bible that iron sharpens iron, and you want to be uh, connected with other Christians to encourage each other, you know, as the day draws closer, it says. And the last six months has been very challenging for that. Um, uh, as a church, we've tried to to, to meet some of those or to fill some of those gaps by I mean we've been doing online services to give people uh, feeding with the word and chance mm-hmm. to worship um, we've had like, zoom based small groups um, but I, I think it's challenging particularly in South Africa we're very relational people mm-hmm. um, it's it's come around and brine not not come and have a zoom call which mm-hmm. is you know it's a challenge it really, yeah. it really makes it hard yeah uh, w- with you guys, uh, I-, I asked the listeners uh, earlier on um, as to whether or not their local churches were back this Sunday, or if there was a couple of weeks that uh, the churches needed in order to, you know, get get everything up and running. Uh, are you guys back this Sunday? No, we'll be back the following Sunday. But it, when you say back, it's an interesting concept because 
we're a church of well normally we had 180 people plus adults plus 50 children so um a 50 people restriction is quite a strong restriction it's um mm. you know it means we can only gather a fifth of what we'd normally gather if you include children so um it doesn't really feel like we're fully back um what we're planning to do is encourage our small groups to to gather together in people's homes and have a, a serv- watch the online service together and that way you can have communion together in that sort of environment and then we're going to open up our building to for the people that can't have access to the internet or they don't have the resources mm. for that or they're, they're not mm. part of a small group and we're going to run a service but until we're allowed 100 people and we can do double services maybe we, we can't really cater for everyone so one of those it's just um it's just a little bit too small i mm. oh, mean that's uh that's uh that's great that that, that idea of of um of churches gathering in in homes uh, seems thoroughly biblical as i think of acts chapter 2 um yeah. you had temple worship when the whole church would have gathered together mm. and then you had people meeting in their homes and breaking bread together yeah. um yeah i just uh, love what you guys are planning on doing i, I hope it works out well mm. yeah it's 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 all through the new testament isn't it i mean a lot of the early churches were house churches um but at the same time, we you see Paul um, in the Hall of Tyrannus and preaching to a large number of people. You see the, the gathering in the temple courts as well as people's homes in Jerusalem. So we, we do long for both. We we, yes. lo- we love the fellowship of in people's homes, but we also like the ability to proclaim the gospel to a large group of people and to worship together in a, in a, in a, in a, collectively. It just there's nothing like it really. Man, I'm I'm so excited for Sunday. So, uh, uh, Crystal Park Baptist Church, we we've been running live services the whole way through lockdown, which has meant that we could pivot quite quickly when the president announced the drop in uh, uh, in in regulation in terms of people visiting, uh, people visiting, people gathering, uh, particularly for re- religious mm-hmm. events, um, and so we could pivot quite quickly um, and set up uh, services for this Sunday so and we've got both indoor and outdoor facilities uh, which means that we can hit that uh, that 100 number and uh, I just can't wait to see people this Sunday I'm <laughs> looking forward to it like you won't believe um, Andrew you and I are going to be talking on well I guess we will talk about uh, COVID updates until COVID goes away um, Praise the Lord uh, as soon as possible. Um, but you and I are, are also starting to talk about the possibility of a conversation uh, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I, you've been giving it a little bit more thought uh, over the last few days than I have. Um, what, are, what are you and I planning right now? <laughs> so remember we... We as, a ch- we as two churches in, this, in the same city enjoy partnering together. We've got a lot of commonality uh, centered around the gospel and um, you know our, our beliefs around the sovereignty of God and all those things. But where, where our two churches differ is a view on spiritual gifts. So we thought it'd be great just to talk about spiritual gifts, how different views are outworked, but also how it doesn't have to be a big deal and get in the way of church partnership. So I'm I'm quite excited just to see, um, just yeah, often it's been a very inflammatory issue in the past, and I'd love just to have it really talked through so that it doesn't become a, a barrier to churches and that churches that have different views still partner together in the gospel for the city. You know. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, I'm I'm certainly looking forward to that. So um, if you are listening in today at a date to be announced in the future, whether that be three or four weeks time, myself and Andrew um, will be sitting down and having a chat between friends on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I very much value your friendship and am grateful that you could come on today and chat about coronavirus and Christ. Thanks, brother. Okay, cool. Thanks, Mark. We're looking forward to that and enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, every blessing. Sure, I'll chat to you later today. Cheers. Well, folk, uh, if you are listening in this morning, um, if you are listening in on either uh, Radio Pulpit or on uh, uh, Cape uh, Talk, um, then we are inviting you to Cape pulpit then we are inviting you to join the conversation Uh, so even as we speak send through questions that you might have comments that you might have regarding the topic which is up and coming now let me tell you how you can interact with us you can interact with us on Facebook you can interact with us on Twitter you can interact with us on WhatsApp or telegram the number is 082-657- Two seven two nine, um, and you could phone in on o one two three three four one three two two. This morning, uh, the the main conversation that we're going to be having and the interview that we're going to be having uh, really goes around how the church can meaningfully connect with digitally enabled Christians. Now, now if you're listening to this or watching this on Facebook, um, you are one of the digitally enabled Christians that we are talking about. It's great to have you with us. Um, If you're engaging on maybe live stream via the um, Radio Pulpit website, uh, you're a digitally enabled Christian. But I'm guessing that the greater majority of people that are tuned in, even if you're tuned in on radio this morning, um, have some mechanisms, uh, some digital mechanisms that you're using. Um, And over the last couple of uh, months, uh, certainly over the last year um, since lockdown, but even before lockdown, this has become a topic that churches really need to be thinking through. Mm. And so this morning, I'm I'm hoping that we we, we think through it a little bit from the church perspective, um, what this looks like uh, for pastors that might be listening today. But I'm also hoping that we look at it a little bit from um, the end user perspective, the Christian's perspective, the person who's connected with the local church, um, how to be a digitally engaged Christian hmm. in this new world that we have entered into. Uh, we have a couple of people that are going to help us to have this conversation. Um, so, uh, Tepo, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself in a little while's time, but let me first introduce um, Mark Paul Woodendahl. Um, Mark has been in full-time vocational ministry for 20 years this year. Uh, he started off at Quigney Baptist Church in East London. He served for a period at Rhema Bible Church, and uh, currently he serves at Eastside Community Church. Um, he is the worship and exec pastor, which means that he manages all things creative and all things business and admin. Those two things are absolutely polar opposite that's hysterical um Mm. he is married to tammy and dad to seth and nate um and mark has six years of radio experience so um clearly no nerves um mark it's great to have you online with us uh, this morning hey guys it's good to be here (laughs) yeah brother um 
Next to Mark, we have Carsten. He is the husband to Michelle, father to Bailey Kingsley, and in his short bio, he added uh, Luna the dog. Uh, he owns a whole lot of companies, uh, K2 Innovate, uh, The Tech Room, uh, Achilles Digital. He loves the local church and is busy pioneering a new campus. Hazard Carsten, it is good to have you online, brother. And while Vussy sorts Carsten out, um, Teppel, why don't you introduce? <laughs> why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, um, um, I'm Teppel, and I'm from Crystal Park Baptist Church. So I serve alongside Mark as his pastoral assistant. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, so I I do most of the stuff, <laughs> <laughs> which basically implies I don't do a lot. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah. Okay. Well, we 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 pretty much do everything together. So whatever Mark does, I do as well. So yeah. Um, I've been there for just about two years, going on three now. And yeah, so I've been serving there with you. No, great. Um, uh, and in addition to your functions at Crystal Park, you uh-huh. you have fifty percent of your time at Crystal Park, and then you spend time in other ventures, other entrepreneurial yeah. ventures. What are some of the kinds of things that you do? Okay, so I I run a tutoring business. Uh, it's called Curriculum Achievers. So um, basically, what we do is uh, we we tutor children. Um, Prior to lockdown, it was mostly phys- physical. Uh, we would drive out to the the learners' homes, but when COVID when when COVID hit, we were left with no other choice but to you know have an online presence. Well, we did have an online presence, but it wasn't uh, sped up the way that we wanted to. So COVID really helped to get it pushed, and yeah, so we've seen more people who are quite hesitant. To meet in person, um, sign up online, and so that's what I've been doing. Mm, mm. Okay, so three guys that we are talking to, including Carsten, who has joined us now. Carsten, I've already introduced you, brother, um, but we'll give you a little bit of time to uh, catch up with the conversation. Three guys that are digitally enabled. Mark, let's start with you. Uh, how are you? I mean, you're on the east side of Pretoria. Um, how are you finding ministry now today in 2021 different to ministry in 2011? Has the digital evolution revolution changed the way that mm. ministry happens? Man, I think if we had, you know, there were certainly churches in 2011. Um, I don't know if that's a very intentional date that you've chosen or just a bit of a random one, but in 2011 that we're thinking about the future of church online, the future of technology being used as a mechanism to uh, reach people in this way. But I think for the most part, very few churches were thinking that way. And there may have even been some criticism towards those who were. And yet suddenly then COVID happens in 2020 and we're all... Um, and, and I say all because we're speaking specifically in the context of, I think you call them digitally enabled people. We're all online. Mm. And, and the, the whole landscape has had to change. Um, and I think it's churches that, uh, I mean, I know you, you were at a church that was already pursuing online services, that was already connecting with people digitally. Churches that started that process were a bit ahead of the game, but everyone else that had to, um, get there had to catch up really quickly and from what I've seen because I enjoy just watching what churches are doing watching I think for the most part people who jumped in the water have done an amazing job 
I think there were people who at the beginning thought that this is going to be a very short-term thing and we'll just wait it out. And now a year down the line are going, well, maybe we should have jumped on that bandwagon um, when we could have. But it's, it's, a, it's a different world, not only a different church, it's a different world entirely that we're trying to minister into. And so mm. I think the technology realm, social media, um, engagement, the people, the fact that people are really addicted to their devices is is an amazing opportunity for us as a church. So, I mean, you talk about this this different world, this 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 changed environment, and and anyone who's listening today mm. will feel that, right? I mean, I mean, we feel mm. that the world has changed, that that things have advanced. Costin, I, I want to bring you in here. Um, how can the church? Um, meaningfully connect with these digitally enabled people and and maybe if we extend uh, I think Mark uh, intimated it uh, from just digitally enabled Christians to a digitally enabled world how, how can we as the church meaningfully connect uh, with this world Carsten are you there brother I'm gonna toss the question then to Tepo yeah so I actually want to start off by telling stories, right? Yeah, sure. Um, so <laughs> I think it's about we in 2021 now. So it's about five years back. Um, so I was looking for a church. Uh, and <laughs> so I, I, I happened to be listening to um, Radio Pulpit for about a year. And well, if you listen to the show and you know the show, you would know Tyrell Hug. Uh, so I listened to Tyrell's theology for about a year, <laughs> and and every time, every time, every time, um, the show would end, he would say, "We each church he pastors," and so because um, I worked around the area at the time, and I saw a board that said Heritage Baptist Church, and I was like, "Oh, okay, so this is how to get this is how to get to that place," but then um, I I searched online for Heritage Baptist, and I could find it. And I, I searched on Facebook, I could find it. And so basically, um, that's where we see the, the the positives of social media and churches using social media to reach people. Because, uh, I mean, I mean, for instance, if you're looking for something um, and you want to validate that this something is good, you want to check reviews these days. And so my, my, my thing was, let me see what, what this church is, is like online so that I can have a much broader picture than just Tyrell, who's one voice on radio. And so that's what I did and ended up visiting the church was there as a member for two years and got sent out um, after the two years, after getting married as well. Uh, and that's how I ended up at Crystal Park Baptist Church, serving alongside Mark. Mm. Uh, yeah. Even even coming to Crystal Park Baptist Church, yeah. you interacted with us first on social yes. media. I mean, <laughs> it, it was through Facebook that you yeah. that you first heard about us. Yes, yeah. Uh, isn't it incredible how how our lives and even the big moves in our lives have been have started to being shaped by yeah. what we're engaging with uh, on this platform definitely so so um the other thing that i that i <laughs> that i remember searching was well not so much searching but just checking out what crystal park looks like because you want to go to pictures and see the demographics you know you know there are people that are inclined to say ah uh, i might not just go there because a, a certain group of people are there and i might not just fit in so I, I looked at all of that and i was like oh i think i think this would be a great place for us um and then uh well just interacting with mark visited him 
um, looking for preaching opportunities. Uh, uh, what is this? Uh, the, the the thing that we had on Fridays. Yes, <laughs> Expositors so, Forum. Ex- Expositors Forum. Yeah. So I started, like I checked all of that online on Facebook because, um, uh, well, he was busy doing the social media at the time <laughs> before I stepped in. Uh, so he, he, he put everything up and then just from seeing that and liking the idea, I joined the group even before I came to Crystal Park to be a church member and to serve alongside you. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we're talking, I guess, in, in broad brushstrokes on on churches using tech to both reach out to the lost as well as mm. as well as to edify saints. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you were a believer as you started to interact with Crystal Park Baptist Church. Carsten, should churches be embracing tech? Why and how should they go about doing that? Hey, morning, Mark. I uh, just want to say hi quickly. I missed you guys from the uh, from the beginning there. Oh, it's good to have you <laughs> and, on, brother. Uh, Technology failed us. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, the, the irony of it is that, um, you know, I'm supposed to be a tech guy and I've got multiple screens plugged in here and the audio was rooting to the one screen that doesn't have speakers and things. And uh, anyway, you know, I feel so your I pain, some brother. Of your, some of your conversation. Mark, good to see you as well. Yeah, it's good to see but, you. Um, yeah, man. So, yeah, great, uh, great question. Um, and, and particularly a great discussion to be had in the church. Um, so, you know, with the line of work that we're doing and myself, you know, consulting a bunch of both businesses and, and uh, churches and things, um, we, we're seeing this broad conversation going on with churches in particular around the discussion of tech. And I think if we look at the different expressions, um, that's oftentimes the contentious point. You know, we, on the one side there's the the smoke machines and lights and everything, which people classify as as technology and all that kind of thing. But then on the other hand, there's there's just the basic use of of tech. And uh, I'd like to you know I'd like to say, well, we now have the Bible in our hands because of technology. It's moved from papyrus mm-hmm. or skin hides to being accessible in our hands at any given point in the day, which has really only come from the advancements of technology. So I say that because there's been some conversations where it's almost like tech and the digital age and online church and things is seen as a a bad thing and it's seen in a negative light. But I, I've seen it time and time again that it can actually be a highly productive tool, tool being the cooperative word for yeah. um, for churches. And I think our current scenario, online presence, etc., um, is indicative of that. We've historically, we we talking to a number of churches. We 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 went back and forth with this conversation, and and a number of churches had come back and said, "Well, hey, you know, we we're not that kind of church. We we don't have this online thing. We focus on the local community. All of which is really great, and that's what the that what the church is called to be." Yeah. Um, however, there is this reach aspect that comes with technology. And like we've seen over the current times, when we are restricted and we can't meet in person, actually technology is the thing that's kept us going, kept us connecting, kept us preaching uh, the word, you know, which has been incredibly helpful mm. when we're talking about a tool for the task. Mm. Um, so, you know, and even in that, we've seen 
the advancements of technology in recent times, you know, the sales, the demand and sales in things like webcams and podcast mics and mm. all the things that, you know, that's on a basic level all the way through to the use of cameras and streaming capabilities and things. Um, <clears throat> we've seen some movement and it's been really great. And, and we've seen a lot of churches take that step from, oh no, we're not an online church to that's all we have right now. And then, really doing a good job in, in adapting and adjusting and, and still being able to presence themselves for the communities and uh, the people that they that they love and care for. When we can't meet in person, technology has been our point of, of, of contact for that. Mm. Mm. Now, I, I would like us to take the conversation beyond just streaming. And so I, I want to give Mark and Teppel some time to give some thoughts to how their churches um, use technology beyond just um, streaming a Sunday sermon. Um, but but maybe to start with streaming, um, a few years ago, uh, well, when I say a few years ago, I'm talking about eight months before COVID. It feels like a few decades ago. But um, a few years ago, we started streaming at Crystal Park Baptist Church, and we did. We d- it was horrendous. I mean, <laughs> we we took a we took an iPhone, we put it at the back of the church. We 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 didn't have a tripod. We we knelt it on the back of a chair. Uh, we went live. The sound was terrible. You could hardly hear anything. Um, but we went live to Facebook. And what actually happened was one of our members had been on holiday for a week in the Kruger, and they were coming back um, that morning. They had left at, you know, 7 o'clock, and uh, uh, the wife was going through Facebook and saw the church had a live stream. And they they keyed in to the live stream, you know, on Facebook as they were driving. It was uh, a husband, a wife, a couple of kids and grandparents, and they watched the church service. And, and from that moment, I, I realized that there was a huge advantage um, to technology, reaching our people uh, when they want to be connected to the church but are in a position where they couldn't be. Uh, and then COVID struck and nobody could be connected to the church and praise the lord we we were ready for that because we had been streaming for a couple of months um, and we were able to leverage some of the the learnings which we had had over time but but i do think with with covid and with the acceleration of digital acceptance by members of the church i do think that we probably have gone beyond just streaming services to Facebook or many churches have Mm. Uh, and and you know I I kind of watch what Eastside is doing from a distance Uh, I speak to Mark from time to time and and Rion from time to time Uh, I'm really interested in in hearing just some of the ways that you guys are leveraging technology at Eastside to touch uh, your members Mark yeah I think I mean as you as you speak about Mark that the Sunday streaming is a very big component of that but even within that i think if we go back to so when did when did this whole thing start in april if we look at the way that we've used even our streaming on a sunday it's been such a journey and even this year um, our service streaming process looks quite different to how it did in november Um, at times we were pre-recording whole services at times we were doing whole services live at the moment we're finding that that what people are really engaging with is a bit of a combination of that so we've got some um stuff that's happening live we've got some stuff that's pre-recorded mm. we've got a lot of engagement we use the church online platform which if people don't aren't aware of that um i think you guys use that markets um, a free resource from life church that just i mean the amount of 
time and money and effort that they've put into giving an amazing platform to the church is incredible. It allows people to engage in chat, um, request prayer. There's some really great things there. But then um, there's a guy that is just, in my opinion, a social media, like if you talk about social media experts, uh, this is the guy. His name is Brady Shearer and he's, he's from Canada. And his whole business model is based on what about the other, um, you know, we've got one hour on Sunday. What about the other 167 hours in the week? And so we started thinking about that. Well, how do we connect with people there? And one of the things, and I'll just speak about one of the things that we, where we have found an, an immense amount of success is on using the Zoom platform for our life groups and just other kind of engagement. And so uh, one of the things that we did as a church is we got a, a Zoom platform whereby th there is only one link all the time. We use volunteers as hosts. So if you've got a life group meeting going on, if you've got um, a prayer meeting that you want to have, you log on to our Zoom room, there's a host there that will put you into the correct room and people are able to engage. And one of the things that I found that is quite significant um, just in that little thing was, for example, a Wednesday, which is where most of our life groups were meeting, people from different life groups would, would log on to Zoom, they'd be in the waiting room, they'd come into the main room and before they got put into their various life groups, there was a bit of connection that happened in that main room. And when I say a bit of connection, I'm talking two, three minutes very, very short bursts of time. And I started realizing that this has become something that people are really enjoying, just being able to connect with each other. And so that's not even spiritually intentional. It's not worship. It's not the word. But it is the church connecting in a platform where it's not really safe to be doing that kind of around a table Um I guess we can discuss whether yeah. it's safe to do that around a table at a restaurant or not. But, I mean, I, I think it's not. So j just having those people being able to connect in that way has been something that we have seen a, a great amount of success in. Mark, we're going to cut. It's 10 o'clock. We're on the hour. We're going to cut to a music break and uh, hear one or two adverts. When we come back, uh, we'll pose the same question to Tsepo. Well, listeners, uh, it's great to have you with us this morning. We have spent the last hour uh, really talking, or we've begun an hour, talking about how the church can meaningfully connect with digitally enabled Christians. Mm. Uh, we have a panel of guests on uh, together with us this morning, uh, including uh, Carsten from K2 Innovate, Mark from Eastside Community Church, and Tsepo from Crystal Park Baptist Church. And where we are at in the conversation right now is just asking, well, well what are some of the ways that churches are connecting with these digitally enabled people um, and and really we, we, we're starting to take the conversation beyond uh, live streaming so Tsepo, what are some of the ways that uh, the church where you serve are connecting with people yeah okay so um, what we what we what we did uh, because we we realized that there were people who were not connected to uh well who couldn't stream for many constraints so it could have been data it could have been just uh, uh access to specific types of technology so what we did was uh we thought of okay how can we meaningfully connect to these people or make sure that they get the type of content that um, a person who is streaming would be able to get that content uh, so what what we did is we we then moved to 
um, MP3s like for the sermons because we we want we wanted them to be able to um, engage with God's word and to be edified from a preaching point of view and so yeah so so that's one of the ways that we've um, uh, interacted with them and made sure that they are not left out and that they are not starved from God's word because um, yeah many many a time those kinds of people are the ones who who would then not be in contact with others uh for many reasons because we've just mentioned data constraints as well yeah so that's one of the ways and um just i, I don't think we covered this so with bible studies midweek bible studies uh also because of um just lockdown restrictions and so we've also started uh, streaming bible studies midweek uh but yeah so 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 those are going out to people who are able to watch them and the the nicest thing about this is this <laughs> and and this is this is basically uh one of the stories i tried to tell earlier on um many of my friends uh, <laughs> uh they they got to 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 the church where I was at, so so I was at Heritage Bible uh, Baptist Church, and so how they got there was mostly through social media. And here's how: so so just scrolling through through um, Facebook, and then you you come through a short clip by Paul Washer, and so you start doing research about Paul Washer, and you find out that oh okay this guy has certain convictions and he mentions certain churches and the the name that pops out is baptist right and so you just search baptist and and so most of the guys that i know um got to certain well reformed con convictions because of certain clips on social media that were streamed not maybe the particular year that they heard it but many years ago um, and so that served um, as a connectivity between them uh, searching for uh, doctrine proper doctrine uh, or healthy churches and them ending up at those specific churches and so um, this is actually the nicest part about it because um, the services or whatever that streamed is basically stored on a cloud somewhere so if you don't access it today you're able to access it even years from today and that's that's actually the 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 the, the greatest part again about this because other people might be searching for stuff that we streamed two years ago and yeah and be able to connect with us at that point like what do you teach on this you know and that's maybe people trying to 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 get clarity and make moves from where they are because they just feel like maybe for whatever reason i can't serve here anymore so i'm looking for another church that will teach what i think god is teaching in his word and so yeah so i think that's um that's the other great point when it comes to us connecting with people through social media you know i'm i'm really I, I, I'm, I'm technologically, technologically enabled. I, yeah. I, I have been all my life. My dad, when I was a kid, I'm talking like six years old, bought a, mm. a PC for the family. It was literally one of the first PCs that came through to, through to South Africa. And, and mm. ever since then, I've enjoyed technology. Uh, you know, other than just being a gamer, I've, I've enjoyed what technology can enable us to do. Uh, and I'm, I'm interested 
to think around how we're going to be over the next year um, as we go into 2021 and um, developing mechanisms to touch the people in our churches and for our people uh, to touch their local churches um, using technology so whether that be uh, using uh, you know submitting prayer requests or, mm. or making prayer requests known whether that be um, mechanisms for communication, uh, you know, diverse mechanisms for communication, email and WhatsApp and social media, um, whether that be um, access to, to counseling, access to shared Bible reading, what, whatever that might be, I, I suspect that 2021 will be another year of massive innovation and probably beyond um, just um, streaming and live streaming digital services. Carsten, if I can bring you in here uh, now, uh, I'm interested to know, because obviously um, Mark and, and Teppo uh, serve local churches, so they're looking at what their local churches are doing, uh, although Mark can also maybe speak to the SALT conference a little bit later. But Carsten, what are the, what's the church, kind of like with a capital C, because you serve a diverse range of churches. How, how are our churches leveraging technology over this period? Are you seeing certain trends? Uh, are you cert- seeing certain things happening um, out in the digital space that maybe we haven't touched on? Um, yeah, nothing, nothing completely different to what um, you've, you know, we're currently talking about. Um, it's been great to see the different ways that, that churches are employing technology to, to reach and to communicate. Um, you know, as Sipo was saying just now, how do we find ways, you know, the, the, the overarching thing of this discussion is um, digitally enabled Christians, you know, but there's a large portion of South Africa that, that aren't. We, most of most of the reach that we're talking about now, whether it's streaming or something, you're having to use data to download or to connect live. So it's been it's been really great to to see how churches are using technology. Some are going to radio, um, so obviously you can get onto uh, wavelengths quite easily, and um, that's not needing data downloadable ways so YouTube again like Sip was saying it's sitting on a cloud somewhere it's sitting on a server people can access whatever we're communicating or whatever the church is communicating whenever they can slash whenever they want um, so that's really helpful for a lot of people being able to WhatsApp the, the Sunday message or the Wednesday message uh, to someone else on a, on a very low bandwidth Incredibly helpful to to then get get a message out there, invite people to listen to this thing, and then we can introduce people to a range of things, whether it's an online preacher podcast mm. uh, or just hey, have a listen to this this audio file. So that you know, to see the the, the array of of things that's being used is really great. Mark had mentioned a, an online platform, so even there, a lot of churches are now embracing mm. uh, the back end of of managing the operations of, of church. So there's a number of, of platforms that, uh, that can be used for planning and scheduling and getting people onto a database. So seeing a, a big uptake in that. And then just, I touched on it briefly, just the, the general use of, of tech as a whole, as a tool. Uh, obviously, the, the current circumstances have forced 
a lot of churches to 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 go digital, go mm-hmm. online, use technology more. Um, so you know that that's been really encouraging to see. And you know, with that, with the demand of it, is then we there's a growing. Uh, where there's more technology coming out, whether it's a back, you know, back-end platform or it's hardware that's being used to to preach and get a message out and, and connect with people in the church. So that's also been really great because then it's it's forcing manufacturers and developers to to come to the party, and there aren't select few who are monopolizing the the, the space. You know, the, the access to stuff is is much better now as well. So uh, new technologies, like I said, starting off, there's been nothing new outside of, of what we're currently discussing now. Uh, it's just it's just been really great to see the different ways in how churches are engaging and using technology to do that. Just briefly, Karsten, um, you know, you talk about hardware, you talk about services and back-end services. Everything costs money. Uh, I mean, it, it doesn't matter whether you are wanting to buy a PC or, you know, get the data to to put your Sunday service up online. It, everything costs money. And, and there is an element of cautiousness around spending money uh, at the moment or taking on operational costs. Is... IT and is tech in this current environment worth the spend? <laughs> you started that question with briefly. It's um, it's hard to answer that briefly, but I'll, I'll give it a try. <laughs> uh, the short of the long, yes. And I think if it's done, if it's done right, it it is definitely uh, you know so, some. In some spaces, when we're looking at the amounts of money that, that gets spent for whatever the system may look like, it's often a large sum of money. So instead of a purchase, it's an investment. So, you know, when we buy a car, we, we think about it very carefully uh, because it's a lot of money that we're putting down. And the same kind of thing, you know, whether you're spending 5,000 Rand, 15,000 Rand, 50 or 500,000 Rand on a system, it should be done properly. And, um, you know, sometimes churches don't always have a staff member on site who can look after tech or IT or something like that and, and give the time and effort that's needed. And then there's a whole lot of companies out there who have products on their shelves and it's a service offering and, and it's, it, it can bring a solution to the table. I think often when, when I'm working with or when we're working with churches, we, we want to make sure that the churches are mindful in you're putting money on the table. It doesn't matter the amount of money. Just making sure that, we, that we're looking at it holistically. We're looking at it as a forward investment, that you're not buying redundant gear. Mm. Uh, and again, you know, like I said, not, not all churches have the luxury of, of having people nearby or close enough to be able to talk into these kinds of things. So is it worth the spend 100%? Hmm. But that does come with a bit of a caveat in that we actually... Um, we, we're doing due diligence to the process when we're procuring product and service and, and the likes to make sure that it's, that it's done right. And then when we're spending, when we're spending the church's money, that it's, it's done in, a, in, in the right way. You know, Carsten, you, you, you spoke about due diligence. You speak about, you know, stewardship of resources and careful stewardship of resources. Mm. Mark, if I, if I could bring you in here, because I know that... Uh, 
that that east side is fairly cutting edge uh, i've been to your facilities a number of times i've seen your projectors i've seen your 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 gear um it's clear that you have um that, that you've spent money on tech um is online the way forward or or does this have a shelf life is this going to die out when we can all meet again uh, i mean have you spent or have you geared yourself up for coronavirus 2020 slash 2021 um or is this the route forward slash 2022. You guys yeah 2022 <laughs> yeah mark i think um i'm gonna I'm going to answer a question that you didn't ask first, and then sure. I'll answer your question. Because it's interesting what you say about, um, you know, coming to our facility and um, Carsten knows um, kind of how we've done what we've done. And I will tell you that it may look way more impressive than it actually is. And it's because of that value that you, that Carsten was touching on is we spend money that is necessary and we always, um, you know, Rian, our past always uses the phrase, we work the angles, we figure out how to do it. Um, so one of the things that might be um, interesting is um, you, you would have been here before we renovated our building, Mark, and you would have seen that we built a stage with the big screens that you spoke about. And we got quotes to get that done. And the, I mean, if I told you how much the quotes were, it's actually embarrassing. Mm -hmm. And so we decided we're gonna do it all ourselves. And so we got volunteers we were at the church every night for nine weeks and we built that entire thing for less than 10% of the cheapest quote. And so that's leveraging what's in your hand and that's leveraging what you're able to do with what you've got. Um, so for us, it's a value of not just spending money because it's the next thing. But I think everything that we've done is because we know that this, and this is to answer your question, um, online and tech and social media is not going anywhere. Um, if you, so Karen, you are another Canadian. I don't know what it is with these Canadians. You know what's <laughs> going on in the world. Um, speaks a lot about you know Christians, especially in churches. When you're speaking about Zoom burnout, people are just tired of screens. People are just tired of being on their devices. And he says that if you go and look at Instagram stats and TikTok stats and Facebook stats, that those stats disagree with that. People are spending more time online. And those are optional things. So people are still choosing uh, to spend that time online. And so I think what ultimately what would be amazing is when COVID is kind of behind us, people's priority is they want to be with other believers in a room, worshiping together. But I think as the churches, we would be incredibly naive to say, okay, well, we're back at church. Uh, let's put our cameras back in a cupboard. And um, we, we have been so blessed as a church just to see how we've been able to reach people who are, we have people in closed countries that otherwise would not be able to connect with churches. Um, I have family who are who live in a, um, live in a little village where there, there isn't, it's not easy for them to go to church and they've been logging onto our services. We're speaking about them becoming part of our, you know, part of our life group processes and that kind of thing. And so I think if anything, when COVID's over and it's not, we're not so pressured, we're going to be, be able to be even more creative in the way that we use these tools to, to engage and to reach people because it's not going to be, 
we're not going to have to put all our, our time there in terms of like just producing a service. We'll be able to be really creative in terms of how we can connect with people who, who have a completely skewed maybe perception of what church is. And this is a great opportunity for us to redefine people's perceptions. Hmm. I, I like what you what you brought up, just the the incarnational nature of church. Uh, I mean, the word assembly, uh, the gathered ones, the called out ones, um, and, and I mean, I for one am really looking forward to Sunday. I, I'm looking forward to being with my people. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, uncles and aunties and uh, gogos and uh, and friends, um, and 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 really experience church in its fullness. Um, but but recognize that even this Sunday not everyone's going to be there. Um, that uh, this Sunday there are those with comorbidities. Yeah. There are those that are that are sick. There are those that uh, uh, that are aged. Uh, there are those that aren't going to be in the room. And my love uh, for them is no less stirred. Um, and my joy is that we can at least connect with them um, using the back of technology. And uh, uh, so I'm, mm. I'm grateful for technology and, and the way that it has enabled us to stay connected with one another. However, and I mean, uh, th- this could probably be a show all by itself. Um, technology does come at a cost and that cost isn't always financial. Um, and when I think of the last year of my life as we've been setting up systems at Crystal Park Baptist Church, <laughs> I, I have lost hair. Look, I didn't have a lot of hair to begin with, but but, but I have certainly grayed in my beard and, and struggled. I mean, just the kinds of things that have gone wrong over the last year have been astronomical. I, I would like to know that, <laughs> that it's not just Crystal Park. Um, but if there is anyone listening, um, whether you be a member of your church and you're wanting to get involved in technology, um, or you're a pastor and you're thinking, okay, well, maybe we need to turn the lights on for some kind of technological s- solution. Um, one of the costs that you do need to factor in is just the complexities of technology. Mm. Tepo, got any mm. horror, got any horror stories? No, I'm only kidding. Just, <laughs> just, 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 <laughs> do, 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 you know, kind of what has the story been of switching technology on at Crystal Park Baptist Church? <laughs> well. Uh, uh, so you said, do I have any horror stories? <laughs> so I'll stick to the horror stories. So um, just kidding. So yeah, it's it's been hectic because because week after week we're trying to sort out issues. Um, you 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 may be prepared for this coming week, and then you you get into another problem, like a new problem, <laughs> and you have to figure out what was the issue. Um, but yeah, so I think I think um, I'm just thinking around churches who may not have like i think was it Carsten who said uh churches may not have people who sit around to watch the technology because it might get stolen or so, all sorts of issues but now i'm thinking about churches who can't set up the streams or the technology for whatever reason um now here's this this is now a theological <laughs> stance uh so so every member ministry right so so perhaps um the church or people in the church have not been made aware that there's a need for a particular person with certain expertise or just inclination to just do something when it comes to technology. Mm. And perhaps that's maybe one of the reasons some churches are still stuck and unable to move forward in getting all of these um, platforms set up so that more and more people can be edified during this difficult time. What are, what are some of the some of the kinds of skills that churches need in this new world so 
so I think I think of Kevin, right? <laughs> so 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 Kevin is a guy at church who who who's in IT at at work. Um but all he does is now do he does cameras. So 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 now I'm I'm trying to think how's IT and cameras um linked. But it's just it's 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 probably just um the ability, the time and um just just the zeal to serve God's people. And so yeah. I, I mean I'm I'm thinking of some of the kinds of people that are needed in yeah. a technology team today would be people like sound engineers oh yeah, yeah. You, you need people that would be willing to work the projector yeah um, you need folk that have got some kind of camera experience so whether they're a photographer or a videographer yeah. Yeah. you know to 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 handle camera work you need it guys you yeah. know that can kind of figure out how to get the ones and the zeros up into the cloud or whatever the, yeah. the rain um, uh, but then beyond that, uh, we've also used people that would come into church and just take photos, you know, yeah. and load them up to Facebook. <laughs> yeah. you, you need yeah. people that are socially media um, kind of enabled. There, mm-hmm. there are so many skills that if you're a listener today and you're in a church, there are so many skills that you already have mm. that your church needs that, you know, if you put up your hand, I, I have no doubt that your pastor is going to get all excited <laughs> um, to figure out how to yeah. deploy um, whatever gift or talent uh, you have to your availability, uh, Mark. Um, you know, at, at Eastside, has it just been plain sailing the whole way through? Um, have you guys missed streams? Have you guys, you know, <laughs> sent stuff into the ether and it just disappeared? And like three hours into a service, uh, you realize that nothing happened. That's a true story. <laughs> happened to us. <laughs> no, everything's gone perfectly fine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no. Crazy. Uh, we, we've had, I think, you know what I think has been, because that's obviously where, where my head is at, where my a lot of my week time is into keeping that stuff running. I think what's been the most frustrating thing for me in this role is that it's been so hard to have a consistent anything. Mm. Um and it, it just seems like every week something is different. Um, so we might have amazing sound this week, but for whatever reason, the color on the camera, we just couldn't get right. Next week, our visuals might look incredible, but there was a hiss in the system that we didn't pick up at the time. Um, part of that, I think, is exactly the conversation we've just come out of, is the skills that are needed by volunteers. And I love the fact that the church is built on um, on the back of of normal untrained volunteers who just want to serve Jesus, mm-hmm. I come from environments um, in the past where the, the service was put together by staff, and you had full time people doing everything, and they were trained. And mm-hmm. um, you know, we used to joke, you know, there was a problem. Who's getting fired today? It's a joke. <laughs> no, no one ever got fired. And, you know, coming to Eastside, where I joined in 2011, I just I remember standing one night at the sound desk and looking at the team of volunteers and thinking, what other organization in the world brings people from all different kind of backgrounds mm. without expensive training and qualifications and puts at their fingertips all this equipment and all this potential and, and releases them to minister? And that brings with it a lot of complications, um, if I can be blunt about that. But I think sometimes... And this is what I say to people because there are those people who will, you know, send me a message after the service and say, the sound really wasn't great today. Mm. And my reply to that has been, you know, it wasn't, but you know what is great 
is that we've got a new volunteer who has learned three new skills today. And that's how I'm responding now to those kind of complaints. And it's, it helps people, I think, to realize that you know, the church is not about a perfect product. Um, if the church becomes, if, if that's what we're about, well, none of us belong here because none of us are able to put together that perfect product. But what it does is it allows us. And so I think if we get to a place where every Sunday our stream is just perfect, I'm going to be frustrated with that because it means that we've got complacent and now it's time to, to do something new, train some new volunteers. Um, I think also when, when you're in an environment where everything is just smooth sailing all the way, it means that people are intimidated to get involved in that. And mm-hmm. we also don't ever want that to be a case where yeah. someone comes in and goes, well, I love taking photos, but I'm not going to join this team because my lens isn't this long and <laughs> I don't have a 50,000 rand camera. I've just got my iPhone and, you know, we want to create environments and I want to encourage other churches to think like that as well. We want to encourage an environment where people can bring what's in their hand, mm. use it to serve Jesus in a way that honors him mm. um, with excellence. I think that, and you mentioned salt earlier, Mark, I think that's where there's such a responsibility on us when it comes to training and equipping. Mm. So not uh, only for acts of service, but for acts of the service. Yes, and, and um, look, I, I, I was when I when I spoke about salt, uh, I was talking about the the conference that you guys organised uh, late last year, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. uh, and it really does feel like years yeah. ago. Um, but I, I mean, I got so much value from that. Eastside basically made sure that it happened uh, in South Africa really appreciate you guys for that um, uh, just in terms of that kind of conference and uh, th- those kinds of resources anything stand out for you or that you'd like to put a plug into that a pastor might go away and look for uh, or look for information for um, after the show yeah. yeah so I think some context there. so SALT is um, it's an organization based in Nashville, Tennessee, in the States. And I connected with Luke McElroy, who ran SALT a couple of years back, went through to Nashville, attended the conference, and was just blown away at how they have somehow managed to make the complexities of ministry in a technological area accessible to, to any kind of church. And the, the level of training that they provide um, is phenomenal. And so they have got, I mean, Mark, you've got access to it, SALT University, which is just hours and hours and hours and hours of training material um, that is that is available. And I mean, as a church, we use that material all the time to train our volunteers. We've just started um, another sound course for new volunteers that we're going to be running off the back of the SALT platform. And maybe what's exciting, Mark, is that we're doing SALT again this year in October. And this year, we're going to be using some a combination of the of the American content that you would have been exposed to last year, but also using some South African speakers. Carsten um, did say to me last year that he'll be involved this year. I'm, I'm just reminding <laughs> him of that. Well, Carsten, uh, let me bring you in on on that note. Um, you, you have uh, come next to Crystal Park when we needed to purchase some equipment, and uh, we were very grateful for the the level of service that you and the organisation that you represent uh, gave us. Um, but but in terms of it, when people are looking to actually spend church money to buy equipment, what are the kinds of things that they need to be looking at in a service provider? Uh, what are the kinds of things that 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 that, that people need need to do in terms of due diligence? You spoke about it earlier uh, in terms of service provider before they sign on the dotted line. Yeah. 
Um, I think exactly that, Mark, is service provider. There's, there's a lot of product available. Um, so I think the, the first thing that I would say in something that we are striving to do, luckily we, we've positioned ourselves like this, but we don't represent any particular brand. We authorized resellers for, for lots. But we don't have any products sitting on the shelf. Now, I know not everyone can function like that because a brand representation brings with it the resource that's necessary. And there are some really great uh, distributors in South Africa who bring some great international products to the table. And they've, they've invested and developed the resource that's necessary to back those products up. So I would say the first thing is is when you're talking to uh, someone who when you're talking to someone who has product, so you're looking for product and you're talking to someone, the first thing is to even just listen to their language. Are they there to provide a service mm. or are they there to drop a box? Sure. Unfortunately, some people do drop a box. They take the money that's available and then people struggle to get a hold of them. Um, you know, but th that's not the thing that I want to say here. The, the thing is that there are people who have some great product. And they really do want to provide a service. So for, for, for me, that would be a big thing for particularly the church is to make sure that guys aren't just there to get a, to get a quick buck. It's a well-established establishment. Um, they, they, the language on their lips is, how do we help you? How do we provide a service for you? They look at your needs first, and then they apply a product to that need. Not just coming there saying, we got this latest, you know, this new product and they're just trying to get that, you know, they're trying to drop that on your doorstep and you never hear from them again once you pay them. So, um, it would be that. Uh, yes, there's, there's always a bill to things, but we don't always have to be buying the most expensive, the most newest thing. I think the other thing, a lot of progressive churches, and it, it's great to look at these things, but look at what's new on the market. And even there, I would, if you have the luxury of it, let that product mature a little bit on the market. Um, because with with everything shifting and changing so rapidly, there is this this need to, to push out new sets of technology. And sometimes it's only a few weeks or a few months down the line where we go, ah, man, actually that wasn't the right product. We're a little hasty with that, or, or something like that. So again, we don't always get the luxury of that, but um, but yeah. So those those are, are, are some of the biggest things. The other thing is to just be mindful. You guys were touching on it just now, um, and even there, I maybe want to demystify some of that as well. I think with with people in the church, if volunteers are sticking their hands up, we can bring them in. Like Mark was saying, they might not have. Right now, they might not have the skill set or what's necessary to to function on that thing. But I can almost guarantee if you make space and you allow people in and you provide training for them, you will be amazed at what comes through. And actually, we're seeing from various churches, individuals in those churches coming out with some of the most ingenious ways of doing things because, you know, lack of resource does push us in a particular way. Mm. So it is helpful um, to, to, to call on guys with that. Have a, can I add yeah, a, yeah, a story, yeah, you can. Mark? Yeah, shoot. You like stories. Um, on something that is just the most amazing thing for me, and talking about volunteers, we had a family that joined the church a while back, and uh, people served, and this guy um, put his hand out to join our security team, which, I mean, I can't think of 
I mean, I'm just glad that God hasn't called me to walk around watching cars on a Sunday. I'll just, I'll say it like that. But I'm so grateful that there are those people. And so there was this guy, joined that team, quiet guy, would come in every Sunday, be part of our VIP meeting, which is our vision, information, and prayer meeting. And then he'd go out into the cars and no one really got to know him, such a quiet guy. And then we went online and he came and said, you know, I actually work. Uh, for a big video production company, how can I serve you guys? Mm. <laughs> how, how we have, in a million years, imagine that we have someone with those kind of skills among us because that we had never said we're looking for someone that's really good with cameras. We asked for security guards, and so he put his hand up. And now, I mean, he has been the most incredible just volunteer and his heart has come through and man it has just been such an amazing blessing so i think sometimes when we think about equipment and we think about outcomes and we think about volunteers we're scared we're scared to dip our feet in the water because we don't think we've got the resources we i think we could be surprised about what resources we actually have at our disposal without knowing it mm. yeah. L- let me say that um, my experience of technology over the last year has been one of paying a lot of school fees um, we, we've tried a lot of things that haven't worked in order to come to a place which is really working for us and if I was a pastor listening in on the show or if I was a member of a church that was responsible for IT in my church on the show one of the first things that I would do is reach out to a church which is getting it right so that you can avoid mm-hmm. uh, kind of like the the university of life and leverage off uh, what other people have gotten right um, and uh, I, I would say that you know churches are are kingdom minded and uh, and, yeah. and look forward to opportunities to help one another out I, I would definitely suggest fi- find the guys in your city that are getting it right and and appeal to mm-hmm. them for for some assistance guys it, it's been a it really has been an interesting topic I, I really want to say thanks Mark thanks Carsten thanks Teppel for coming uh, online and talking about this this whole new world that we're living in I, I really appreciate you guys bringing your experiences to the table um, and giving some meaningful suggestions uh, to people that are listening in I hope we get to do this again sometime um, uh, I, I hope that uh, we don't experience as much shift in 2021 from a technical perspective <laughs> as we did in 2020 um, but I, I really hope that uh, we get to carry on talking about technology and bringing it uh, to bear for the purpose of edification and evangelism in our churches thanks guys so much thank you well folk uh, at this stage uh, we've spoken about the state of the state the state of our nation Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the state of the church uh, with the capital C and in order to help us do that I've asked uh, if uh, Lance Lawton from the Baptist Northern Northern Association would join us uh, this morning to chat um, uh, a little bit with us regarding where the church is at. Uh, Lance studied for the ministry at the Bible Institute um, and has a master's degree in theology from Pretoria University. You know what, Lance, actually I, I was on holiday, I think in December last year, it might have been December the year before, and I read your thesis on Hebrews, and if I remember correctly, it was introductory um uh, oh man I'm, I'm forgetting it was such a technical thesis it was brilliant I, I loved it I loved every minute of it you did a whole lot of statistical analysis of of language usage in the book of Hebrews I'd encourage anybody to 
uh, Google Lance Lawton and uh, Masters Pretoria University. You'll find a download uh, for his thesis. He's pastored uh, churches for 15 years, and he currently serves as an association of. He currently serves an association of churches uh, called the Baptist Northern Association, which is 130 years old <laughs> this year. He's married to Kathy and has three children, Karen, Amy, Taryn, and Jared. Lance, it's good to see your face, brother. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. Yeah. Um, yeah looking forward to connecting. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's lovely to talk to you. So, I mean, Lance, wh- what's going on in the church today? Uh, yeah, I think, Mark, uh, the phrase a roller coaster ride would probably be a good description of what has happened in the last uh, 10 months, uh, 27th of March, 2020, level five lockdown, and the churches went into what on earth mode. Um, and with with that, you know, there was the, the quick shift into online platforms and, and pastors, mostly pastors and then resultant churches really ticking up uh, just trying to move into a space that they've not been trained for that they've really very little exposure to and uh, relying mostly on on many other churches and help uh, us chat you know with some of the role players in in terms of the tech space but but I mean I'm consistently hearing the pastors are tired of doing online recordings and editing and loading up and all of that uh and so that's that's kind of been the roller coaster ride and then of course the uh the gradual ease, easing over the the last year um and, and a sense of relief you know i think uh, come end of december the guys are feeling yes 2021 we're going to be out the words and everything's going to be uh <laughs> oh that will be glory for me and uh and then suddenly you know, back to to lockdown, uh, 29th of December, and and the moving back to digital space, and um, the guys, you know, sighing a huge sigh of 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 of, of concern, and um, and some churches going to you know question the whole the whole thing of of civil disobedience you've probably seen and heard a lot about that if not been involved mark Zippo. uh and and so you know what do we do do we do we go back quietly do we adhere to the government and um you know certainly many of the churches most of the churches not i think all of the churches that i'm aware of have adhered to to the government's um uh prohibition in terms of churches meeting but there has not been easy uh, and if you've watched anything in terms of social media and the uh, the hubbub but that has been caused in terms of uh, do churches meet um, quietly in civil disobedience or do we adhere to the government uh, but I think Mark for me the the whole issue right now that we're facing in 2021 going on is is for me a, a, a loss of community oh. and if if you were to ask me what one issue is is on the table for us heading into this year is i think we have experienced 
a massive loss of community and um, churches trying to think how to how to reestablish that and bring that back. And uh, yeah, nice just hearing Mark Woodendall just sharing a moment ago in terms of online platforms being used just for people to connect. And I think that's that's really really crucial. Is is there's a a great need for um, just informal uh, collective connection uh, and spiritual. There's a spiritual thing there. Um, yeah. So that's that's kind of what's been going on in the church. I think if you ask me, if you ask me, if you had interviewed me Friday a week ago uh, before the president's announcement on Monday night, it would have been a very different story. But there's a real sense of finally we can go back to church. Yes, 50 is not ideal. Um, there's still huge taxation on the bigger churches, but there's a sense of really keenness uh, in terms of meeting meeting face to face again. Yeah, and and look, my my heart really does go out to larger churches um, that are either constrained from meeting for logistical reasons or are going to really struggle to 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 figure out well which fifty get to come to church this Sunday. Um, but 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 at the same time, I'm stirred for joy for smaller churches, and uh, that's been an interesting um, shift in my thinking in 2020. I I, I kind of. I kind of uh, was concerned that smaller churches before 2020 uh, were 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 really in for a tough time because of their size, because of uh, you know lack of volume, uh, and yet as we've hit lockdown, I, I think that some of the smaller churches in our communities um, probably had some advantages that larger churches didn't have, like the ability to shepherd a small amount of people well. Uh, would have been would have been evident um, I'm hoping over the last year uh, and I'm hoping that some of our churches that that maybe were struggling before coronavirus actually have been spurred on and stirred even in the midst of the difficulties that we've been facing uh, Lance I, I mean uh, yeah I, you know has this loss of community over the last year has this loss of incarnational church because that's what we believe in right the church incarnate manifest uh, yeah. meeting together gathering together assembly ha- has this has this loss destroyed the church uh, can this loss destroy the church how's this going to work out in 2020 we are we in 2021 now <laughs> yeah 2020 yeah. how's this going to work out in 2021 <laughs> Doesn't doesn't feel like it, but yeah, we are. You know, we have we have Christ's promise. Uh, you know that that the, I will build my church; the gates of hell will will not prevail against it. That the church of Jesus Christ is going to be perfected and being perfected by the work of the Spirit. Amen. So when Jesus comes, the bride is ready. Uh, that's that's the blessing of this. Uh, it's been a, a real joy for me to see how even even small churches have have ticked up, even if it's just to recording a sermon on WhatsApp and sending it out to their their respective uh, communities. You know, um, just doing it that way. But I do think the one of the implications of COVID is that it has killed community um, and. And the, the challenge that lies before us is how to how to move and and restore community around the centrality of Christ. And and Mark, I think you know, for me there's a big theological issue here, and that is 
I th- if you were to ask any any pastor with his salt um, prior to January 2020, what is your definition of a local church? Typically, they would have three things in the mix. The local church is where the word of God is preached, where the sacraments or the ordinances are practiced, and where church discipline happens. Uh, but come end of 2020, we've suddenly realized, oh, we're missing a crucial one uh, that we've assumed for hundreds of years, and that is that the, the, one of the definitions of local church has to include people being in the same room together and being incarnationally present. And I think incarnational is a, a nice um, opposite to virtual you know, in, incarnational in the room um, that that we kind of assumed for hundreds of years, and and suddenly it's been a big wake up call to say, oh, you know, actually we need to include that in it, our definition that local church is the place where God's people gather together physically, um, and and so how do how do you do that with with the government restrictions in place? Uh, intentionally, uh, tentatively, digitally, as we've heard, um, but with a real sense of we have to pursue and try and find ways of building community. Because, I mean, even even walking down the aisles of pick and pay, uh, it's fascinating, you know, where previously we would be looking out for people to greet. Now now everyone's staring down and, and trying not to engage and have eye contact with people. There's a really weird thing that's happened in society because of this. Yeah. Um, Solance, um uh, just a quick question. Uh what what hey, yeah. What are um not what are some of the issues? That was one of the questions that I would have asked you, but let me ask you this. <laughs> um do you think that um we we can get group of a group of people like members of a local church to meet with other members in the local church so that we can sort of um have community because remember we we can't have community in the way that we usually would at a church service so just maybe midweek bible study have a group of people meeting in a specific household and do you think that would help community wise Sure. I think your previous guest from uh, 4SA would have readily uh, shown you that that is currently prohibited by the the government in terms of uh, how, how community or how we are to operate as as um, religious uh, faith faith gatherings. Faith gatherings intentionally are to take place in in a church. And, and then, of course, all the restrictions come in. Now, of course, you can go to a restaurant or indeed uh, many other places and meet communally and, um, and, and have a faith gathering of sorts in, in that fashion. But the moment you say, we're going to get a bunch of people together, a bunch of believers or, or those interested in the gospel in, in a home or a, in a particular setting, that becomes a faith gathering in terms of the government's restriction. That's where our challenge lies. So even to say, guys, let's let's pull together and uh, get a bunch of people together and let's let's watch the service on YouTube or uh, whatever it is together, that would fall under the ambit of that which is currently prohibited. Um, now that's that's not a pleasant thing to say or hear because you know we we are wanting to meet 
and wanting to be together and there's a real sense of this is the way not just not just God has designed a local church but this is the way we're wired as yeah. human beings is to is to be with um, you know so so our, our association it's all very well to call it call it an association but the primary purpose is to associate that means you are meeting together and and getting together in in groups in some way uh, that that currently certainly under the current restrictions uh, prohibits that uh-huh. um, in terms of a faith gathering, which is not not ideal. Uh-huh. Um, but wait, you know, moving clouds always means that the clouds will at some point not be there, that they, the sun will break through and there will be a different day. And so uh, I think patience um, by the Holy Spirit is really needed in this time. Lance, uh, what's happening positively as you you look at you know the areas that you are coordinating? I mean that extends what Limpopo, Mpumalanga, Northwest Gauteng. Uh, what the the ambit of the area that you're looking at? Uh, give, give us some of just the positive things that you're seeing happening uh, in closing. Sure. Mark, it's been a joy to hear of churches being planted. Uh, oh. Three new churches, two in Northwest, one one in Gauteng, um, being planted in in such curious times, and yet that's been the case uh, where new churches have sprung up. Plus, I think services that that kind of operated within four walls on a Sunday morning. Are, are being recorded and the messages are going out and available across the world 24 hours a day uh, just means the gospel is getting out and, uh. and there is no ways anyone living in this century can say, I have not heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, there is a proliferation of truth that is that is remarkable. I cannot think of a time... Um, ever in history where there is such an open access to the gospel even if you lived in North Korea now now, now that is for me is a remarkable thing that God has done in just 12 months with all of us moaning and groaning about about this the gospel has broken out of 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 buildings and Sunday morning services between 8 and 10 and it is available 24-7 across the world, that we need to shout a, a, a song of Hosanna to God because I really do believe that that in a wonderful way, God has made truth, uh, Christ himself proclaimed in all the world. Yeah. Um, and for that, I rejoice. Yeah. Well, thanks very much, Lance, for the update. Really appreciate uh, you giving the state of the church and uh, look forward to chatting to you again uh, in the future. Um, yeah, just to, Nice to be with you guys. <laughs> God yeah. bless, mate. Uh, just to 
quote the words from our president uh, this past week that faith-based gatherings will be permitted subject to health protocols and such gatherings may not exceed 50 peoples for indoor events um, and 100 persons for outdoor venues and where the venue is too small to accommodate these numbers with appropriate social distancing then no more than 50% of the capacity of the venue may be used just the excitement that that creates for churches to gather um, just the excitement that that creates for believers to be in fellowship with one another uh, to sing together to praise God together and to enjoy our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ I'm certainly looking forward to Sunday I hope that you are too our prayers do go out to all the elders and deacons who hold the line in local churches and our missionaries serving in foreign fields we also want to remember and pray for and give much respect to our first responders, uh, mm. police and firefighters and paramedics and our correctional service officers serving our nation. Uh, you've been listening to Table Talk with me, your host, Mark. Uh, we're going to be going across to news shortly. So until next week, Friday, go with God and get after it. Listening to Radio Pulpit and Radio K Pulpit. It's a minute after 11. Here are your news headlines. Amabongani welcomes the Constitutional Court ruling that declares provisions of RICA unconstitutional. Kasatu is disappointed by the Putko retrenchments and tennis news. Good morning, I'm Brad Kirsten. The investigative journalism organization Amabongani has welcomed a ruling by the Constitutional Court that declares the regulation of interception of communications and provisions of communication-related information act, better known as RICA, as unconstitutional. The court found the act fails to provide adequate safeguards to protect the rights to privacy, as buttressed by the rights to freedom of expression and the media, among other challenges. Advocacy coordinator at Amabungani, Charisse Takur, says it's a great day for this country's democracy. Going forward, if you are the subject of surveillance, 
and the surveillance ends, you will have to be informed of the fact that you were being watched and your communications will be monitored. So that is very important because it enables people to take action if they believe that that surveillance was unlawful. In addition, there's other safeguards like ensuring that the designated judge who issues the authorization or directions now has to be sufficiently independent. Trade Union Federation Kasatu says it's disappointed that bus service Putka will be retrenching over 200 workers after its operations were hit by the COVID-19 restrictions. The company says lockdown restrictions have resulted in fewer passengers, while the costs of disinfecting buses and buying staff personal protective equipment have mounted. A spokesperson for Kasatu, Sizwe Pamla, says the union is concerned by the direction bus companies are taking. What is not acceptable is the fact that it looks as if these bus companies are using retrenchment as the first resort. They are not exploring any alternatives and uh, they are yet to really engage with all the relevant stakeholders. We're disappointed to hear that Greyhound did not engage with workers. Uh, we suspect that Padco is yet to really explore all of the other options that are available. So we encourage the relevant unions to engage with these employers and force them to ensure that they first explore other alternatives to retrenchment. Agricultural body TLUSA is proposing that the expropriation bill be rewritten to provide only for the expropriation of a property when it's needed for infrastructure development and then at market prices. The organization has handed in its comment against the amendment of the existing bill. TLUSA's President Henry Geldenay says the vague wording of the amendment opens the gates, for the, the gates for the government to expropriate any property without compensation under the guise of public interest. He adds that the bill is the most short-sighted piece of legislation. To international news now, U.S. President Joe Biden says America is withdrawing support for Saudi-led offensive operations in Yemen. In his first foreign policy speech as president, Biden stated that the conflict in Yemen, which has killed more than 100,000 Yemenis and replaced, displaced rather 8 million, has created a humanitarian and strategic catastrophe. Biden says stopping support offensive operations include the sale of precision-guided munitions to Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. Defense Secretary Austin will be leading a global posture review of our forces so that our military footprint is appropriately aligned with our foreign policy and national security priorities. We're also stepping up our diplomacy to end the war in Yemen. I've asked my Middle East team to ensure our support for the United Nations-led initiative to impose a ceasefire, open humanitarian challenge, and restore long dormant peace talks. To tennis news, South Africa's Kevin Anderson will face Italy's Matteo Borettini in the first round of the Australian Open. His compatriot Lloyd Harris will play Denmark's Michael Torbegaard. World number one Novak Djokovic will begin his title defence of a record ninth Australian Open against Jeremy Chardy of France. 20-time Grand Slam champion Rafael Nadal of Spain will take on Laszlo Gere of Serbia. In the women's draw, world number one Ash Barty begins her quest against Montenegro's Danka Kovanic while 23-time Grand Slam champion Serena Williams will take on Germany's Laura Siegmund. We'll end with your financial indicators. The dollar trading at 14.96, the euro at 17.90. One British pound will cost you 20 rands and 47 cents. Gold selling at $1,798.70 a fine ounce. Brent crude oil is quoted at $59.23 a barrel. And that's where we'll end this news bulletin. Our next newscast will be at 1. 
Radio Pulpit's Facebook page makes you more a part of the station than ever before. Now you can give your opinion regarding our programs or even contact your favorite presenter. You can get the latest news and existing programs and communicate with other listeners. Come on, let your fingers do the talking on Radio Pulpit's Facebook page. It's interactive and dynamic. Just visit facebook.com forward 